0: everybody and welcome back to another episode of below freezing with cj and micah i'm cj i'm micah and this is a weekly show where we unthaw a different movie that comes in at or below 32 percent on rotten tomatoes and uh, what it what a film it is... <laughs> i think that's i think that's what i said at the end of it i was like how interesting uh people paid for this um <laughs> <laughs>
1: I had seen it before, mm-hmm. actually, um, remembered almost nothing and was also um, definitely confusing. like I had definitely fused the plot with like a Japanese show I'd seen set also in this period. <laughs> And I was like, when is this going to happen? And then I was like, wait. No.
0: Oh, no, well, that, that doesn't happen, happen here. That. It happens in a much better thing.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think that's partially why I was excited to watch it, because I remembered it as being spliced with another thing that I enjoyed. And then after, I was like, oh, yeah, no, that was a yeah. totally different
0: <laughs> piece of media. Uh, but I'm interested to talk about the bones of this thing and sort of parse it out. But uh, I think we can uh, just jump into it. Today's guest is devin grubb from the film rescue show thank you for being here
2: thanks for having me i'm excited about this uh
0: me too actually because i want to make it plain that this is not a good movie but i found it really interesting for a number of different reasons Um, and we could uh, jump into it because it is 47 ronin starring keanu reeves from 2013 and like I remember, there being a lot of like Tumblr kerfuffles surrounding this movie oh, when it really? first came out, just because like it that was like when um when the internet found out that Keanu Reeves was half Asian, and oh, yeah. the because everybody was like, "What?" It, even though it, it, so it like the ideas I guess that the executives had was that. It made up for throwing this random American presence into the story because he ostensibly belongs to that community. But also, like, within the context of the film, it just makes no sense.
1: Yeah, there's so much about him that is not explained
0: not Does only it that, make any
1: sense why he's there?
0: <laughs> not only that, it's that by the end of the movie, you realize that nothing that he does really is, or any of the added elements that they have put into the story of the 47 Ronin, specifically for this movie, make any difference towards the outcome of the plot.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. To
0: where you could take all of it out. And then it would just be a movie about the 47 Ronin, which would be decidedly more interesting. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. My entire thought process throughout watching this whole thing was I was like, this is fine. Mm -hmm. I I definitely didn't hate this as much as some of the recent movies we've done. Um, (laughs) We've had some real stinkers here lately.
0: This this didn't uh, break you like, dangerous minds?
1: (sighs) Yeah, no, it didn't. Um, I didn't. I didn't hate this. I, you know me. I love a period drama. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I would necessarily call this a period drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, there's neither one
0: of those things, really.
1: Well, there's. It's in a period.
0: <laughs> Barely, but.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? We have a a movie to compare it favorably to, in terms of adapting Edo period Japan. <laughs> And that is the horror show that was the Ninja Turtles 3.
0: So, 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 so Devin, this... Micah had never seen anything related, never consumed any media related to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh wow. Before we did an episode on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Me
2: too. <laughs> that is a brutal way to be introduced to them. They are better than that. <laughs>
1: Brutal is the word. Um, I'm going to take your word for it. I've been traumatized by turtles permanently and their terrifying faces in that. Um, So there were some specific historical elements about the Edo period in Japan that this particular movie actually gets kind of right.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Um, So, uh, I mean, it was better than the Ninja Turtles. It was so funny this whole time. I was like the last time I did a history corner about Edo period Japan, it was for those goddamn Ninja Turtles. So it could be that, but it's not. So,
0: <laughs> Well, do you have the score and the consensus pulled up?
1: I do. I've, I've relearned how to do podcasting again. <laughs> <laughs> so the score is 16%. Mm-hmm. And the critics' consensus is 47 Ronin is a surprisingly dull fantasy adventure, one that leaves its talented international cast stranded within one-dimensional roles.
0: And I'd like to say... That I agree. Yeah. But um, one thing about this movie that is so interesting is that um, all I kept thinking about while watching it was The Mummy. Because it feels like they were trying to make a Japanese version of The Mummy. And... Hmm the thing needed
1: to be funnier then.
0: yeah yeah like the the thing the thing that it it sort of left out that the mummy has is that it was entertaining so the (laughs) the, like there's no it's this movie takes this historical um legend or actual thing that happened and uh adds all of these wacky elements into it but the actual feel and tonality of the film does not get wacky with that stuff.
1: Mm-mm. Yep. It and did. when I
0: say wacky, I mean whack a do because <laughs> we open, right, on this uh, the the actual like prologue where things are being like narrated by what sounded suspiciously oh, man, like that's Manu Bennett. As hell. From a fucking arrow and Spartacus, but and then he and then he never shows up. Um, but like this prologue is happening and it's done in this weird sort of like direct to video Zack Snyder style that made me think, oh, maybe this is based on some sort of comic book. Looked it up, it's not. They were like, let's do 47 Ronin as a movie, and somebody in Los Angeles said, but what if it had. A dragon lady yeah
1: i see the rationale here because one 47 ronin is one of if not the most adapted japanese historical event legend mm-hmm. um ever um so they there and the most recent adaptation was in 1994, and by all accounts, it's very good. Mm-hmm. So I understand that they feel like they needed to contribute something new. Otherwise, like why does this need to exist? And I think ultimately, that's the thing: is that it doesn't. Um, <laughs> but then also, I, I I get the impulse to add a fantasy element because Japanese folklore and mythology is extremely interesting. Um, like there's a lot of really cool stuff they could have done had they insisted upon adding a fantasy element like there's some really cool yokai they could have included there's some really cool mythology they just like didn't
2: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> there's all this really cool stuff they could have used and they didn't use any of that I I don't know if it's because a western audience wouldn't have had the context for that mythology it's not as well known as like western mythologies to us but i mean that's not a reason not to include it because japanese mythology is dope as hell um so i guess they felt like they needed to add something that doesn't exist in the literal hundreds of adaptations across all forms of media of this story but ultimately it doesn't add anything to it at all <laughs> it just makes it goofy and the effects aren't good like the cgi of the creatures i think some of the creature design is fine it's just that this the effects are bad
2: the, that whole uh the whole magic subplot very much has the feel of like a producer walking in and going here's a thing i want in the movie and some writer being like I'm only putting it in because you're making me, but yeah. I'm not gonna. It, it, it is this movie's
0: uh, all of the creatures and stuff is this movie's version of like uh, fucking what's his what's his name um, the the guy the guy at uh, Warner Brothers who used to be romantically involved with Barbara Streisand who kept trying to put giant mechanical spiders and stuff <laughs> until he finally got to with Wild Wild West. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
2: like that's that's what it reads like man had a mission um
0: but but yeah i think there's something i think for me i liked i didn't think that the cgi was awful i thought that it, like, it was the scenes in which they were using the CGI were all so fucking herky-jerky that you could barely see anything. Yeah. I don't know what the first monster yeah, was yeah. supposed to be. It was, like, a alien snake lion deer. And I was like, well, fine. Um, but, like, I, I couldn't see that. And then some stuff that just didn't need to be CGI was CGI. Like, the guy they're fighting in fucking tortuga in the middle of the movie where they go get to uh they try to get um keanu reeves back yeah like that guy i'm just like "Eh, but i don't know why that needed to be cgi
1: yeah that was weird and gross also can we talk about the other guy in dutch tortuga um with all of the tattoos who literally has like three words and is oh. there for less than 30 seconds and yet is huge on the poster
0: for <laughs> yeah. no reason at all. Well, that's because We're he was a big internet America. guy. Yeah, he was a big uh he was a big internet guy. I, I I forget his name uh because I believe he was German and I keep saying was because uh he passed away a few years ago. Um, but yeah, like I remember seeing him all over Tumblr. I'm gonna bring up Tumblr a lot. Uh, because this is 2013. This is sort of like <laughs> uh, the apex before Tumblr's fall, I feel like. And, uh,
1: and that yeah, and that guy, Tumblr.
0: just his aesthetic was all over yeah, Tumblr. Yeah, so
1: he's in the movie. I think he literally has one line. And he's like the, the second biggest person on the poster.
2: <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. I went into this going, I'm going to see more of that guy. And I just, I just like literally spent half this movie looking for him to pop up. Didn't happen.
0: He was not German. He was Canadian. His name is Rick Guinness and uh, also known as zombie boy. And he, and he held the Guinness world record for the most tattoos Um, because all of that stuff extended over the entirety of his body. Um, But yeah, I I think just to, just to get us like straight into the recap, we're sort of introduced to Kai very early on, uh, the Keanu Reeves character who is found by this roaming troop of samurai from this nearby village and is taken in and they're all really racist to him because he's half white and... He is like unusually great at martial arts and sword play, and in with the katana and stuff because there is this weird trend. In American and Western films about like Western people going to Asia and becoming better at Asianing than Asians.
1: Yeah, this isn't as bad as that Matt Damon Great Wall movie, but like the sentiment is the same.
0: Mm-hmm. Or how Tom Cruise was the Last Samurai, but the oh, um, God, yeah, that, thank God. <laughs> um, and it, it, we see them grow up, and they end up um, fighting that monster because there is a rival village that wants to take them over and they have a witch on their side. This movie is very complicated and uh, they start sending monsters after them. Now Keanu Reeves destroys the first monster, uh, but someone else takes credit for it because no one thinks he could do it because he's a half breed and all that stuff. But he is in love with the, Lord's Daughter? The
1: Lord, yeah. Yeah. So the Japanese title is, and I'm going to say this wrong, I'm going to say a lot of Japanese words wrong today, uh, but the Daimyo's Daughter, whose name is Mika, which really weirded me out for the first half of the movie. Mm -hmm. I never hear my name in movies. And I know my name isn't exactly Mika, but people call me Mika constantly. (laughs) It might as well be my name at this point. So that was weird because I never hear my name in movies. And every time they said her name, I was like, "Eh." She also is utterly pointless and is extremely damsel in distress through the whole thing. There were lots of opportunities to let her do things. Um, she never does anything. She cries about Keanu Reeves a lot, which like girl same.
0: There are but, even moments uh, in the movie where, like, a weapon is thrown her way, and she looks at it as if she yeah. is going to do something with it. And then the movie's just like, nah not this time <laughs> Yeah, yeah like, no.
1: and even like it's like she's a foil to the witch who is the one of there's one other one there's like basically three women in this movie there's um lord asano's daughter mika there's the witch and then there's oishi's wife um riku who deserves all the awards um mm-hmm. Just like, like, not like the actress necessarily she does fine, just like that character deserves all the things for the 30 seconds of screen time that she gets. But there's like basically three women and Riku isn't really in it that much. So you've got Mika who is a foil to the witch. And I think the messaging you get there is women who do things are bad. And the only women who do things do it through evil magic.
0: Mm-hmm. So don't
1: be evil and use magic cry a lot instead yeah
0: this movie's full of uh japanese performers who you've seen before in other things but in terms of like high profile western work this is generally all they're offered which really sucks like rinko kikuchi who plays the witch Mm -hmm. she was the female lead in pacific rim a movie that i really liked a lot i like her in it a lot and I haven't seen her in anything yeah. else besides this. Um the um uh, uh Shogun is played by uh Kerry Hiroki uh, Tagawa who was um uh in Mortal Kombat. He was Shang Shang-Sun in Mortal Kombat. And nothing ever comes that I've seen the uh, the guy who played uh Lord Kira in a ton of stuff and it's so sad that like these people, like, poor uh, Hiroyuki Sonata, who I love. I think he's very handsome. He was the first Japanese actor to play in King Lear in the UK. And uh, that's really cool. Uh, but, like, whenever he's over here, he's just, like, getting beat up by Hawkeye in Avengers Endgame. Or, like, yeah. other bullshit like that. And where these are, like, really, really cool, dynamic performers. And, like, it... it also just sort of makes you wish for the movie that could have been with like uh, Sonata as the star, you know? Because one, I think that he's way more dynamic than Keanu Reeves as an actor, just period. But also because this movie was uh, pre-Keanu-sance where everybody sort of learned how to use him. And uh, it was... I don't know. That we've sort of uh turned in our in on ourselves as a culture to where we're like Keanu Reeves is great so long as people know what to do with him. And obviously this movie didn't know what to do with him. Yeah. To
2: be fair, like I don't think many movies knew what to do with him during this time period. Like mm-hmm. he's in a lot of stuff where he plays basically the same part over and over in movies that he, his part does not fit in at all. Mm-hmm. Um and yeah, that was that was a long time. I I think uh somebody finally figured out like, "Oh, you just got to make him a badass and just let him be a badass in a movie of his own." is what he needed.
0: Or just let him be like patchouli dad and something and yeah no one ever <laughs> like <laughs> no one ever like lets him lets him do that stuff uh or let him do that stuff until like 2016 but <clears throat> yeah um there is a tournament coming up uh for the shogun who is coming to this village and the uh s- samurai who took the credit for killing the first lion snake deer thing uh (laughs) is going to be the warrior to participate in this uh thing this tournament which is the first time i went okay so this is just game of thrones
1: they've even got a mountain that rides but samurai edition
0: i mean like i was pretty
1: sure well does this predate the mountain
0: Uh, i i have no idea about game of thrones i've seen six episodes of various different seasons but the but of what i've seen and what i know through cultural osmosis and the way just the way that the movie is shot and the way that some of the like uh sequences are uh, blocked and stuff like that i was just like oh this is a this is just game of thrones this had like 30% 30% more titties, it'd just be Game of Thrones. So
1: that was the first um comparison I drew. The second. So they, they're they're supposed to have this battle between the champions. Mm-hmm. Um the witch poisons Lord Asano's champion, and so he's out of commission. And then, so so Kai decides. Okay, well, the our lord will be shamed if his samurai doesn't show up. So someone's got to go fight. So I'm gonna put on this armor and I'm gonna go fight. And the entire time he was making eye contact with Mika, I was just like, this is this is just Disney's Robin's Robin Hood when Robin Hood is <laughs> dressed up, like the stork and making making eye contact with maid marion <laughs> and she's sitting next to the king who's Fantastic. like who's this guy and she's like no <laughs> so that added added to the scene for me i i enjoyed um,
0: it um what did we think about like the stuff that sort of just popped up and went nowhere like the big golem knight samurai thing <laughs>
2: it it, honestly by the time like by the time you realize that that he's going nowhere so many other things in the movie have gone nowhere that you've kind of just accepted it um because yeah i thought like he walked in i thought oh we're gonna watch like this dude just like wreck some people Mm -hmm. but no he just shows up like 40 something guys back up from him and then they blow him up great
1: (laughs) yeah i feel like it's another one of the all of these things that went nowhere are only there to add visual interest to make this not just a period piece.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they just want to give people neat stuff to look at without understanding that if it's just there to be neat to look at, that doesn't make it interesting.
2: Well, I was just gonna say it's, it's fantasy as scene dressing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, because it, it, there's nothing there's there's nothing there for it. They they even go like because he's. Uh, Ipso facto, they find out that he the half-breed, Keanu Reeves or whatever, is um, in place of the actual samurai, and he's not a samurai. Uh, Mika runs out there to save him from dying, so he gets beaten instead and is sold into slavery. And because um, and they bring honor on the, the dishonor on the village and stuff, and uh Rinko Kakuchi's character, the witch uh makes this really uh slimy fleshy spider thing that I didn't like. Um it's
1: really gross. It was I really I did not enjoy that at all.
0: I was upset. And but she she makes it go poison the uh the Lord so he will go attack Lord Akira the villain and while the Shogun is in the village, which uh l- makes them sentence him to death which he does as seppuku. So his village will have honor again. All that to say, our, our heroes are banished to corners unknown. And uh, Mika is being married off to Lord Akira. Now, they have to go get or, um, Oishi the Hiroyuki Sonata character has to is thrown into solitary confinement to break his will, but that doesn't break his will. And he comes out and he's like, Oh, we got to avenge the Daimo. And, uh, they go off looking for Keanu Reeves. And you said this was in this, this place was Dutch. Cause I missed that.
1: (laughs) So, um, one of my beefs (laughs) with, um, the Ninja Turtles. Mm -hmm. was that there's all these white people running around Japan who have no reason to be there in the Edo period because they didn't allow white people in Japan. It was like a thing, except for a few select groups, among them the Dutch East India Company, and they didn't allow them to actually be on the land. They were only allowed to dock at port, sell their shit, and then go the fuck home. Mm -hmm. So that is what this Tortuga is. It's, it's It's as close to a permanent settlement as the Dutch got during this period, they were allowed to come in and they were allowed to sell their shit and buy Japanese shit. But like, that's all they're allowed to be there for. Mm -hmm. So I was like, Oh, look at that. They even made them Dutch. Like they mentioned that they're Dutch. And, um, because there was like one little group of Englishmen, the Dutch East India company, and they did some trade with China during the Edo period. And that was all, Mm -hmm. um, it was one of the reasons they were so it was such a successful period was they were like, we're just going to stay at home. We're going to manage our own shit. We're not going to allow any foreign powers to come in and mess with us. And then we'll try to manage our own conflicts internally. And for the most part, it worked. Um. So I was like, Hey, look, there's not just a bunch of like unnecessary white people running around the white people that are here have a reason to be here, historically speaking. So I at least appreciated that because that was one thing that really irritated me about the Ninja Turtles is I was like, you're going to set this in the Edo period for what you like the aesthetics, but you also want to have your white people assholes. So, yeah.
0: They also wanted the song Tarzan boy and every part of that movie they could fit it into. Um, But (laughs) the yeah. (laughs) Okay. So take, for example, uh, the movie basically becomes Pirates of the Caribbean at this point um Mm -hmm. at least for like this this like the two sequences in this dutch trading port situation and uh we meet the Keanu reeves character again who is like uh doing whatever the east meets west version of bare knuckle brawling would be (laughs) um with samurai (laughs) but with samurai swords and he chops down this fucking cgi uh grendel looking thing and yeah, he was
1: like a more muscular uh, version of the goblin king from the first hobbit movie Second
0: yeah movie? i just didn't understand why he needed to be I, cgi he
1: could have just been a big dude and and, and it would have done exactly the same yeah, thing it
2: felt very much like they were trying to make him an orc but like without pushing it so far that's like oh that's yeah. definitely an orc or like mm-hmm. having to give a reason why he's there at all or bring it up in any way
0: (laughs) but then the scene like perked my interest up because there is this uh extended uh sort of little fight sequence between uh kai and oishi and it had very clear choreography Mm -hmm. they pulled the camera back so people weren't just like swinging and then swinging and then swinging and nothing's connecting but we're just supposed to assume that's a fight i thought that was really really cool and i was like oh so this is what this movie could be but also like they don't need to be here because there was no half english uh demon wizard guy in the original story so none of this really matters but they go get him so they can uh find actual demons i guess the way they used demon as a term in here was so weird and fast and loose but when they actually get to this forest where he apparently grew up before he ran into the ako people is what weird character design on the demon monk folk
1: yeah yeah and they look they looked more like, um, um, oh, God, what are they called? The Chinese um, monks. Help me. I want to say it starts with an S. Oh.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know. lost I don't, me. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to Google it. You guys keep talking <laughs> all, about the weird yeah,
1: design all, and the weird I can... eyes.
2: <laughs> like, literally like literally all i kept thinking about watching i was like it looks like somebody plucked an owl and jammed lizard eyes in its face and that was the creature they gave us yeah
0: very disconcerting monks
1: that's what it is it did start with an s i was right
0: (laughs) i didn't uh, it was unsettling but not in a way that was just like oh wow that's like oh how could he have escaped this what creepy creatures. It was just the design was so off putting and like so like uncanny valley that I could not look at it for too long because I was like, I want these people off of the TV now. I was get get the demon off of the TV. I'm not watching that. I
2: was I was also very disappointed that we didn't get some kind of reference or visual to some kind of claw thing. Because, like, it starts making a very clear point of the fact that uh, Kai has literal claw marks across his scalp, or something yeah. sc- scraped him. Mm-hmm. And there's zero explanation for that at all.
1: There's so little explanation for anything about Kai's character. He is half Japanese, half something else. The movie doesn't actually explain. Um. What his ethnicity? Well, they say he was he was
0: half English.
1: Oh, he does say he's half English. Okay, then why did they make it a point of going to the Dutch? Anyway, (laughs) it doesn't. But it doesn't explain anything about why he was raised by the Tengu, why he chose to Mm -hmm. escape. What exactly scratched him and why they did that? Like it doesn't it doesn't give us any explanation for his backstory other than look this is why he's good at swords because that's the only aspect of his personality that honestly is developed at all.
0: Yeah, like one of the things about the uh, the demons and the Tengu people was that they can. Um, turn themselves into swoopy swashy CGI vectors and uh, fight like that. How that works is never explained. Um, what makes the swords yeah. themselves so special, never explained.
1: Why the Tangu people just have a lot of swords
0: i'm still fuzzy on where they got all 47 people from That's that's something and then I, two yeah go because that's never really oh. explained and then two like um they they get the swords and uh kai keanu reeves is able to just like you know uh tap it on a tree and then the tree branch just falls off but no one else is able to do all of that no one else is able to use these magic swords in the way until like they need to be able to use the swords in like a magic way also that's something else that sort of is really weird about the movie is that like they end up taking the victory away from this the 47 ronin by saying that they needed magic and mysticism and Keanu Reeves swooping and swashing around uh, to finish their goal, when in actuality, yeah, they it, just did it.
1: It does no service to the original legend no. at all. This also
0: has like, one of the
2: biggest offenses for me when it comes to magic in anything, which is not explaining the rules of your magic. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're gonna have magic, you need to give at least like two or three rules so we understand why and how it works. Uh, but seemingly, all we know is anybody who uses magic is evil, except when they need them to use it for good for reasons unknown.
1: Yeah, and they don't, and it doesn't have even any hard and fast rules of like only mythical creatures can use it because they've given us no reason to believe that Kai is anything but a normal dude, and he was just raised by these mythical creatures. They were like, we taught it to you. How is that something that's taught when otherwise the, all of the rules that are ostensibly existing are that only these mythical creatures can use it? Because it seems to me like the witch is a mythical creature. She like shapeshifts into other things. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, they don't establish any rules at all. You're right, it's really yeah. annoying.
0: Um, I would like to give a a pre-freezy shout out to Penny Rose, the uh, yes. costume designer, because I like are the very costumes.
1: Good. They are a little, um, a little heavy handed as far as the color schemes early in the movie with the, mm-hmm. these are the Asano people and these are Kira's people and the Kira people wear dark purple mm-hmm. and the Asano people wear red. Um, I mean, it's effective in terms of knowing like who is who it just was so stark mm-hmm. that it felt a little heavy handed, but I could see why they did it. Like, I wasn't mad about it. I was just like, it wasn't, it wasn't subtle at all, but this is also not a subtle movie. And otherwise the, the costume design's really nice.
0: Okay. So I think it is, uh, about time. I feel like we've been, uh, uh, sort of dancing around it the entire episode, for the triumphant return of Micah's History Corner. I haven't had
1: one so long. I love a good <laughs> history corner. Okay, so this whole thing is based on actual events. Um, the it's known as the Akko incident, which is named after the um, uh, province that was ruled by Lord Asano at the time. Strangely enough, even though they changed some of their like positions and roles, a lot of the names are the same as in the actual historical events. And so um, Lord Asano was his name. And then Kira, um, they're really long Japanese names that I would probably butcher. So we'll stick with the versions that they use um, in the movies. But those mm-hmm. were their surnames. Um, So in 1701, you've got three um, daimyos who are visiting Edo. So the Edo period was called that because they had moved the capital of Japan from Kyoto to Edo. And it's ruled by it's basically like a military dictatorship where the shogun is more the head of a military than a traditional king or emperor like they would had in other periods. And he maintains Mm -hmm. control of the country by using what is similar to other feudal systems at the time. And so these Lords are under him and they manage their specific lands. And so Lord Asano and two other Lords are going to Edo to um, pay homage to the Shogun. And so the Shogun has a high ranking official who is Kira so Kira wasn't a rival lord in the original story. He was just one of the shogun's um, officials who was there to show all of the daimyos the like ce- the um, celebrations that they're going to do and teach them the rituals and stuff. Um, the accounts differ, um, <laughs> but uh, it's generally agreed upon that Kira was, like generally speaking, an asshole, which I think is funny. Um mm-hmm. and basically what happened is he was being a dick to Asano. Exactly how he was being a dick to Asano is um not quite agreed upon um but basically he was being a dick to Asano and Asano actually did like try to kill him and injured him like a little bit but didn't manage to actually kill him. Um so I mm-hmm. think one of the reasons for the fantasy elements that they used in this movie was to to make it more of a black and white good versus evil story by taking the responsibility away from Lord mm-hmm. Asano for trying to kill Kira. Um, because in the movie, it, like it's all the witch and Kira's planning it all. Whereas in the actual historical events, Kira was being a dick and Asano legitimately did try to kill him, which was a dumb move because any form of violence within the city of Edo, particularly in the Shogun's actual palaces, was super, super forbidden. Like, you even draw your sword, you're going to get killed for it. The shogun did not tolerate tolerate any form of violence in his presence. Um, But Lord Asano finally had had enough and tried to kill Kira. And so, as punishment, the um, shogun forced him to commit seppuku, like in the movie. They did maintain that and um kira didn't get any punishment um because he was one of the shogun's high ranking officials and the shogun was like listen you did a you did a fight you got to die um, <laughs> so he had lots and lots of men um he was a provincial leader he would have had his own division of an army and they Lords were always at each other's throats and jockeying for power, not as much as in other periods. Um, but I assume that's what the movie was trying to call back on where they had them be two rival Lords, because mm-hmm. that was a thing. Um, but in yeah. the, in the historical event, sometimes it's 46. Some, some think it was 47. Um, the generally agreed upon number within um adaptations has been 47 led by oishi who was one of asano's men um decided that they were gonna get revenge for their lord um but at the time they were like if we do it now we're gonna get caught and we're all gonna die so we need to wait until Kira's Mm -hmm. not paying attention and then we're gonna storm his house and kill him which they did and they uh cut off his head um oh gosh what's his name his son Chikaru is that it? Chikaru was an mm-hmm. actual person. Oishi Chikaru. Um, he led one attack while his father led another attack, and they took the fortress and they beheaded Kira and they took his uh, head to Lord Asano's grave and were like, "Here you go for you." And um, <laughs> then they turned themselves in to the shogun. So it wasn't. So it it wasn't honor thing to them which um it almost took on like religious emphasis to people after the fact because um people really romanticized bushido which was the samurai code of you you live for your lord and your honor and your loyalty for your lord are more important than life itself and samurai in this period really did Mm -hmm. live by that um and that's partially why they were so revered in this period and and why they remain such fixtures of popular culture so um that's partly why there were so many adaptations why the story was so romanticized because people were like wow look what they were willing to do for their lord and the shogun um by some accounts wasn't like super excited to kill them he was like listen i admire what you did but also, you took the law into your own hands, mm-hmm. and so he allowed them to commit seppuku instead of like <clears> hanging <throat> them all super humiliatingly, which the movie does make reference to. Um, so that was what the that was the historical, like the actual historical account, and the movie does like maintain some of those elements. I think the movie's greatest crime mm-hmm. is adding to them unnecessarily to what's already a really compelling story. This has been adapted in basically. All forms of Japanese media. It was first um, adapted in Japanese puppet theater, and then the most famous adaptation is called um, Chush- uh, I'm going to say this wrong, Chushingura, which was an eleven mm-hmm. act kabuki play. It's
0: dedication.
1: Oh, yeah. And it was super popular, too. Like, that was the most popular adaptation. And they started adapting it, like, 50 years after the fact. So, like, really soon after these actual historical events, they started adapting it into plays, and into stories. Um, They just, during, while the Edo period was still going on, so basically until the late 1700s, early 1800s, they had to um, change the names a little bit and set it 300 to 500 years before because the shogun didn't allow mm-hmm. the actual depiction of historical events. I'm not sure if it's because he didn't want himself portrayed in a negative light or if it was just a rule. He just didn't allow the dramatization of historical events. So they set it far enough back into history that they wouldn't get in trouble with the shogun. And it's since been adapted mm-hmm. tons and tons and tons of times, um, including this one.
0: Okay, so it it all ends up... Uh... Ending, I should say, with the uh, assault on Kira's house, which is really cool.
1: It is. That's my, my, one of my favorite, no, my favorite scene in the movie is, one, I think it's really neat that they include some kabuki theater in this, Mm -hmm. because the kabuki theater adaptation is the most important adaptation of the story. So I thought it was really cool that kabuki theater scene intercut with this, like, silent... Um, infiltration of the castle. I thought the sound design was really good, mm-hmm. that the loudest noises you have are the like little pops of the pyrotechnics in the Kabuki play mm-hmm. um, and you've got this like silent infiltration of the, I thought it was really well shot and I really liked the sound mixing and everything about that scene. It was
0: it was well shot, it was just like I think impeccably blocked too, which yes. is something I wasn't expecting from this movie that just seems to be throwing bright lights and CGI Dragon dragons at you the entire time yeah. but <clears throat> yeah I was watching it and it made me yearn for like a modern like stylistic take on the uh, source material of the the actual event because mm-hmm. I, I sat there and I was just like the entire movie could have just been this mm-hmm they definitely got a really good fight choreographer on this thing.
2: Mm-hmm. Um I don't know, I don't know who did it, but like you could you could tell
0: whenever they handed
2: reigns over to him, that's definitely when it shines.
0: Um and then they end up getting in there, um and all hell breaks loose. Uh the giant mountain samurai comes back out and is blown to Smithers and Reigns. And <laughs>
1: Why did he need to exist? He didn't. They didn't even have him do a bunch of cool fighting. They had him walk menacingly and then get fucking blown up and that's it. And then
0: we split into two. This is the funniest part of it. Of of like the fact that we've established that nothing that they've added to it matters at all. We then split the climax in half mm-hmm. between Oishi and, uh, and Kai and and Oishi gets to go fulfill the actualities of history (laughs) and then (laughs) Kai gets to go fight a dragon lady with a sword now here's the thing about that sequence in particular every time he would like hit her as a dragon with the sword it had one of these like sort of like 90's arcade sound effects (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: so irritating because we know they can do good sound design because they've done it they just chose not to yeah they
0: just were just like oh no we're we're not storming the castle now we're fighting the dragon and and and, and it needs and it needs to sound like you just punched somebody on x-men
1: yeah all it needed was a pow like a, a like one of those little comic pow yeah.
0: well no because it had like every time like it hit her visually there was like a it's not a lens flare. It's just like the shing, like the kind of thing you would see on a sword or something like that. Mm-hmm. In addition to the sound effects, so I was just like, "What? It, it, what is, this? is somebody, this? somebody bought a somebody
2: bought a sound effects pack and really wanted to use it?" The- <laughs> oh my god! <gosh. laughs> like here, this I can do it right here. Nobody even noticed.
0: Yeah, and so Keanu Reeves uh, is being thrown around. Um, Until he finally decides to use his magic sweepy-swipey powers and uh, grab the sword, which, okay, the sword is knocked out of his hand, and then it is thrown onto the ground, and they do the the thing where, like, the focus is on the sword, and then it pulls focus from the sword, and to Mika, as if Mika is going to pick up the sword and do literally anything with it, and nothing happens. That
1: would have made sense sense too because the witch has been tormenting her specifically through the whole movie so really it makes sense to give the kill to mika give this poor girl literally anything to do besides look great my god she looks great give her a sword and let her fucking harry potter in the basilisk's mouth with that goddamn dragon
0: which is kind of what ends up happening but the movie is so bloodless that like the dragon is just there and then she goes back into her human form and she also isn't roughed up in any kind of way. Yeah, no,
1: she's just kind of
2: like
0: Nary a Mark. That that was that was real odd. And then um we sort of are just like with with the exception of one scene where uh they say a lot of giant platitudes about meeting each other in the next life and stuff like that, then the movie sort of just turns over to Oishi. Um, mm-hmm. Because he is the lead, you know, character of the story, and also the historical uh, act. And then, yeah. <laughs> and, and and then, um, it's really nice that the shogun allows his son to live. So his family line will yeah. stay i was like oh well that's nice he,
1: I was really everyone's glad gotta
0: die but i'm glad that he gets to stay alive he's especially because i know the actor i don't know him as an actor though his name he goes by Jin. he's a singer he's a japanese singer and he, uh i can't remember the anime but like back when i was watching anime and uh, uh, a lot more which was in high school when i didn't have bills to pay <laughs> um, the uh, uh, one of the anime I can't remember what it is had a song by him. I think it was by him and another person. It was like a duet, and uh, I I was just like, oh, I know that face. That's Jen.
2: Yeah.
0: and I pointed at the TV like this. That's okay like, hey.
1: Yeah, Chikara, and I called him Chikaru earlier. I feel like there might be another character in this named Chikaru, or maybe I'm just making that up. But Chikara, he's my like honorable mention, Freezy, because he. Just seems like a sweetheart and he didn't mm-hmm. deserve any of it. Also he was just trying to help his daddy.
0: He should have been wackier. Like or or like a little like or, like more scruffy or something like that, just to give another character a personality. Because yeah. outside of Oishi and Kai, um none of the other soldiers really do anything or have anything to say or, or about anything. And maybe you can chalk that up to the idea that they're, you know, samurai and Bushido means that they're just all about their master and stuff like that. But that doesn't make for a good movie. Like make these people have things to say. There's this one, there's the one, uh, there's the one, the bigger one who like tries to chop the tree with his new magic Mm -hmm. sword and it doesn't work. I'm like cutting to him in some stuff. And framing it as if it's supposed to be funny. But it's not a joke. It's just that he's fat.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I definitely noticed that. They wanted him to be the comic relief, but they didn't give him anything funny to do. Or say. Or say. (laughs) And it was really a missed opportunity because he, as an actor, has a lot of charisma and I really wanted to have a reason to like him.
0: So, yeah. And uh, then they... uh, are sentenced to death, but they are allowed to do it as seppuku. And um the movie ends with the most absurd uh card that it could end with, which is all of this bullshit this happens in this version of it, and then it's just like every December 14th they celebrate the 47 Rone, and this this film was inspired by its events. No, like y'all barely
1: you don't get to have that card when you split your climax between what actually happened and a giant dragon lady
0: fighting american ass keanu reeves (laughs) get out of here but uh but yeah that was 47 ronin and when we get back we'll give it some freezies
1: we taught you many things but you fled
2: and you turned your back on those gifts
1: gifts of death no matter what you do Mika
2: will
0: never be yours in this life then I will go to my death and pray I find her in the next so we're back and this is the point in the show we give out freezies Uh, Devin you are our guest so you get to give out yours first do you have freezies for uh, 47 Ronin
2: I do um, okay, uh, I'm going to start with a, a good freezy, uh, which is a forest of ghosts, which despite us spending no real time in or getting to explore, was like a genuinely interesting place mm-hmm. that I want to I wanna know more about. So like, whoever came up with that, of all the random useless crap this movie had, I like that one. Um, I also want to give a freezy to impressing girls with tracking, but in, like, the most condescending way possible. Because... <laughs> <laughs> that is a trope, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I just, like, as soon as it happened, I was like, why does she like him? Uh, well, this is this feels weird. Um, and then uh, I actually have a-, a freezy, not necessarily for this movie, but thanks to your history corner, or history, which is the freezy of being a big enough asshole that you set off historical events that are so famous they get adapted in the movies more times than we can tell In them. perpetuity. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Being such an asshole that you sparked one of the most dramatic events in Japanese yeah.
2: history. <laughs> I oh, mean, man. You, you gotta applaud that kind of dedication to the art.
0: That's fantastic. Uh, Micah, do you have freezies for 47 Ronin?
1: I do. Um, so my first freezy, um, like we talked about earlier, goes to the costuming. I think it's very good. I also th- just think that feudal era Japan's fashion is really neat. Mm-hmm. I think it looks nice. I really like it. Um, I think the colors were nice. Are they still, I feel like they could have been brighter and more vibrant, but they let Mika at least have some color and her dresses in particular. Um, I really liked. So I liked the costuming overall. Um my second Freezy, something i also have already mentioned but man that kabuki theater scene mm-hmm. intercut with the infiltration of the castle so good so good from the way they portrayed like the pyrotechnics that they used like those flashes of light to the like muted sound that's happening and the little the things that they wore to like disguise themselves as they crawled up the castle i think was just like a nice touch i just really liked that scene i wish the rest of the movie could have been that because that was so much more compelling than any of the like fantasy fight scenes. Just give me well choreographed, interestingly shot and edited because I think the editing is a huge part of why that scene is so good, too. Mm-hmm. Um, give me more of that and less dragons that don't make sense. And uh, my last freezy, um, it goes to Mika's hair because it was always freaking on point. Her hair looked fantastic at the very end. When like after the after when they're just going home and it's all messy, mm-hmm. it just looked really good. I want that kind of volume.
2: He <laughs> was using a lot of beeswax for sure.
1: L- oh yeah, lots of <laughs> lots of product, probably lots of extensions. But listen, it was fabulous. It worked. Oh, I, it. <laughs> I don't know if that counts because that's basically part of the costuming. But her hair gets a special shout out because it looks so cool.
0: Nice um so my first freezy speaking of your last freezy goes to everyone's hair in this movie there must have been so much hair gel in feudal era japan like it just like that's wild uh because everyone uh looked great um my and my second freezy is uh hunch best supporting actor to who should have been the main guy in the movie which is uh and allow me to be the thirsty one on the podcast uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 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 fine ass uh hiroyuki sonata because uh one terribly handsome man two great actor who needs to be in more stuff just on you know our side of the pond and three i just think he was generally great in this movie mm-hmm, um yeah. i thought he was really good the whole movie should have been about him i hope I, one would hope if they could very soon get uh, another one of these going preferably by someone who just wants to tell the story <laughs> um uh, i would like to see him in it again because he's really good um and then my third and final freezy like i said uh goes to uh, Penny Rose costume designer because for what she was given she did a great job I especially like Keanu's costume uh yeah. in the cave of owl lizard demon people um the way it was lit really popped. Uh, and it was just sort of like tailored to him in a way that was very, very flattering. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I kind of want it as a Halloween costume. Um, it was really, really good. So that's my, uh, final freezy. And this is the point in the show where we decide whether or not the movie is still fresh or freezer burnt. Devin, what say you? Um,
2: honestly, and this, this may be the insane number of terrible movies I subject myself to on a regular basis, but I'm going to say it's still fresh because honestly, if I was at a party and everybody had a little bit too much to drink and didn't want to party anymore, but still want to hang out, mm-hmm. I'd put this movie on to watch
0: it. So yeah. Sweet. And Micah, what about you?
2: I'm
1: going to give it a soft freezer burnt. hmm If only because there's just no reason at all for it to exist. Like, nothing that it adds from other adaptations make it any better. In fact, they make it markedly worse. So I'm going (laughs) to give it a freezer burnt just because... Just go watch the 1994 version um, starring Ken Takakura. Just go watch that that one. It's better. Um just watch that one instead so i'm gonna give this one a freezer burnt just for its sheer unnecessariness
0: um i am going to give it a slight freezer burnt too a slight because i want everybody listening to this to go look up the actual raid on the compound because it's a really cool sequence uh i'm pretty i'm sure it's on youtube somewhere please go watch it because yeah, it is really watch cool. Watch those
1: 4 minutes. <laughs> and then don't worry about the rest of it.
0: Um and uh you know if Hiro- <laughs> Hiroyuki Sonata is is really good in it but like also just go seek out The Twilight Samurai because he's the lead in that. It's also a truly beautiful movie and uh, so much of it is his face. Um <laughs> <laughs> So uh, yeah, uh, we got uh, one, uh, one s- still fresh and two freezer burns, uh, and that was forty-seven Roman.
1: I'm glad we got one still fresh because, like,
0: I think it's worth it. it. it
1: yeah, it's not. I'm I'm not mad that I watched it again. Yeah, um, which is
0: so rare for you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I've been really, I've just been so mad <laughs> here lately. <laughs> I mean, like in general, we're all mad at everything, right? But like. <laughs> god cocktail was bad (laughs) i'm so mad about it so yeah it's not bad and i now i need to figure out what the other thing is that i thought was parts of this Mm -hmm. i need to figure out what show or movie i also watch a lot of chinese movies which i know this is this is japanese but i also watch a lot of chinese movies that are like similar to this in that they've got the like weird, usually poorly CGI'd like fantasy elements, but they're also a lot goofier and a lot more fun. I really need to figure out what other thing I thought this was so that I can go back and rewatch that. But anyway, that was that was forty seven Ronin. So we've had worse times on on watching things. <laughs> we have. Devin thank you so much for being here
2: thanks for having me this was this was fun I don't often get to do a movie a bad movie and not have to just dissect it to pieces so this was fun
0: yeah I feel like I come on to your show and I come on with like fully formed ideas and I like completely disrupt the <laughs> flow of the show because of it and <laughs> we I'm gonna ought- do the
1: opposite where I think Seth wants me to come on maybe sometime in May I need to talk to him again about that but the movie that I have in mind, I already feel bad about making you watch and I don't have any ideas. I just want to see what you guys how you guys would fix it.
2: We watched the movie Six Underground on Netflix and mm. I don't know if anything we ever do again is going to be that bad. So you're safe, <laughs> you're good.
0: <laughs> Six Underground coming soon to a Below Freezing episode near you. <laughs>
1: So where can people find you on the internet? What would you like to plug? Uh,
2: well, definitely the show we've been talking about, the Film Rescue yeah. Show, uh, our podcast where we watch really bad movies and we try to pitch better versions of them. Um, we put that out every week. You can find it on pretty much all podcast sites. Uh, outside of that, you can try to find me on the internet. I change my name like every few weeks because I don't know how to be satisfied with anything. Um <laughs> generally i think i'm under the grub devon in most places right now at least that's what i'm working for but uh mostly just go check out the podcast film rescue show it's uh it's my baby right now
1: very cool we will definitely be linking that below cj where can people find you on the internet
0: you can find me at cj period that's c-e-e-j-a-y and the word period i'm assuming you know how to spell it on twitter and instagram And I also have a show, another show, called Dan and CJ's Group Chat the Podcast, and I forgot about it because it only happens sometimes. (laughs) Um.
1: It's so fun when it does, so be on the lookout for it, guys.
0: Um, Oh, yeah. Oh, and speaking of Dan, speaking of a friend of both our pods, Dan Purcell, uh, he's got new music coming out uh, in, uh, I I believe, uh, tomorrow uh, when this episode will be coming out um nice. yes. he has got uh his first debut single as a pop singer is it's called serendipity and i've heard it and it's fantastic and i'm super excited for everybody else to hear nice. so yeah
2: definitely be keeping a lookout for that
1: and you can find me on twitter at micah renee b and you can find me on instagram at Loki stroke the lemur uh speaking of changing your names Loki stroke the lemur is too long for twitter and i will die mad about it um <laughs> You can find the show at below 32 pod everywhere. That is Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Give us a like, give us a follow. Um, If you wouldn't mind dropping us a review, we always appreciate those five star reviews, help other people find the show easier. And if you don't think it's five stars, we always want to know why and what we could be doing better. Uh, Special thanks also to Riley Watson, AKA W for our fabulous theme song. I am so bad about remembering to thank him for that, but it's great. And we love Riley. Uh, CJ, what are we watching next week?
0: So next week, our guest will be none other than Robbie from K-Bay. (laughs) Yay! And don't get too excited. um, We are going to be watching uh, a little film uh, from my youth. Uh, It uh, stars one Adam Sandler as uh, a disturbed young man who is the son of an angel and Satan. We're watching Lil' Nicky. And it's worth it for the face that you just made. (laughs) You guys
2: really need a a video version of this podcast. Just like the end for YouTube. Just for that face.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If we could just make a thumbnail of some of the faces that we make while talking about certain things. But we want... But we like Robbie. We want him to come back.
0: Yeah, but I am I have spared you Geely.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's fine. Everything's fine. <laughs> wait, are you going to inflict Geely on me at some other point? I've
0: decided that here in the afterworld, we're all too sad for Geely.
1: <laughs> we have to wait until we're allowed to go out and drink it away, like, together. Yeah. Before we do. Di- no. We'll do
0: Geely when there's a vaccine. <laughs>
1: Put the universe back into balance there will be a vaccine which is great but also then we're watching geely so oh man well that's very exciting um so tune in for that next week and i will continue to remind myself that it is not as bad as it could have been while i watch it and robbie will be here which is super exciting um who is one half of the Bay podcast Um, His co-host, Michael, has been on a couple of times for Mannequin and Van Helsing. So we're going to complete the set. So, Devin, once again, thank you so much for coming on. This was fun. And uh, until next week, y'all stay frosty.
0: Bye.